0: Attention Chicago and Toronto We're coming to see you guys soon So we better hurry up and buy your tickets Because they're going fast
1: Yeah man, Chicago at the Harris Theater, July 24th Uh, We've actually sold a lot of tickets now Yeah, you guys listen, thank you Thanks for stepping up And Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall the next night July 25th, it may be sold out by now
0: Yeah, well, there's only one way to find out Go on to sysklive.com And you'll find links to the ticket sites And all the show info you need And we will see you soon
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry over there, and this is Earth Science Time, baby.
1: (laughs) I love this stuff. Yeah, this one was a little, well, I was about to say dry, (laughs) 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 but I just caught myself at the last second.
0: Thank you, It was a little dry, though. Uh, It was, but, I mean, we're talking sand, dudes. There's just so much you can do with some things, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but it's also one of those that's kind of neat in that when uh, next time I go to the beach Mm -hmm. or uh, the desert, I'm armed with a little more knowledge, which is always nice. Are you going to go do some sandboarding? I don't think so, although I did look at some videos. Sounds pretty awesome to me. It looks like a a great way for a 48-year-old to break his knee.
0: Did you, oh man, breaking your knee, can you imagine? No. Did you um, listen to the sound of
1: dunes singing? Uh, Yeah, and I've heard that sound. Like in person? Uh-huh. What kind of life have you lived? <laughs> I mean, a life where I've been around some sand dunes. Wow, that's neat. I think I heard the dunes singing at, uh, on a TV commercial shoot out in the desert. That's oh. where I heard it. Wow. What
0: were they singing, do you remember?
1: They were singing uh, "Fresh Prince." No,
0: no, no. Da, 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 da.
1: These were not European dunes.
0: So you've been um, nice. You've been around dunes that were not beach dunes because my only experience has been just beach dunes, standard. Stay off the dunes,
1: beach dunes. Yeah, these are desert dunes. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it looked like. In fact, I believe they had even done some Star Wars reshoots in this area. What? Of uh, California. Wow. It wasn't Tunisia, but it stood in for Tunisia, so I was sure. told. Just like
0: those hills stood in
1: for Korea in MASH. That's right. But this is a Michael Bay uh, Chevy commercial.
0: Okay. And I got to stand around and watch him
1: scream at everybody.
0: That's neat, man. <laughs> what a good guy. Um, I, Like I said, I've only been around dunes on the beach. Coastal talk- dunes. Right, coastal dunes. But I was talking to, to Yumi, and I guess these would constitute coastal dunes, but she said she taught in Japan, you know, uh-huh. um, years and years ago in a, a, a prefecture called Totori, which is the least populated prefecture in Japan. And they actually have some amazingly beautiful dunes, which look like desert dunes, but it's coastal. So I guess they're coastal dunes, but they don't look like coastal dunes.
1: They look like desert dunes. That ain't South Carolina.
0: No, it's definitely not. And I I was like, dunes in Japan, that doesn't make any sense. But I saw them with my own eyes. And unless she Photoshopped these pictures, they were real. Which <laughs> would have really been something because <laughs> they weren't even her pictures. They were posted on the internet. Yeah, that'd be a weird thing. I do. suppose she could have <laughs> Photoshopped the pictures, started a website with an uh-huh. unrelated name, uploaded them, and then made it look like she was searching just Google Images, which yeah. she was just to fool me. And then she's like,
1: I got you on a dune fake. Burn. <laughs> right. Classic dune fake. Dune fake. <laughs> but she, um, she
0: also, by the way, she, when she taught in Japan, um, she taught with our buddy Ramey, who we're going to see in Toronto soon. That's great. Which, by the way, if you haven't gotten your tickets to Chicago, it's probably too late for Toronto by the time this comes out. H- how about this? If you're listening to this and you haven't bought your ticket for Portland, Maine, shame on you. Uh, Okay, so sand dunes. I love this article, by the way, by Debbie Ronka. Yeah, my old pal. Yep. And she basically says a sand dune needs three things to form. You need loose sand, because that's the kind that can blow around. Mm -hmm. You need wind to blow a sand dune around. Mm -hmm. And then you need an obstacle, which can be anything. It can be a bed of pebbles. It can be a big rock. It can be a tree. But it's something for the sand to hit and say, oh, I can't go any further. And then as more and more sand hits that obstacle, the sand dune starts to build. And then the sand dune itself becomes the obstacle. It's yeah. one of the most zen processes really around is. on Earth.
1: It really, really is. It's a true, like, uh, layering effect mm-hmm. that if you see sped up with a time-lapse camera, yeah, it's pretty remarkable.
0: Well, that actually reveals maybe the fact of the podcast to me.
1: Let's hear it. Sand Dunes move. Oh, I thought you were going to say time-lapse photography is possible.
0: <laughs> right if but if you watched the sand dune mm-hmm. uh, over a long enough exposure, you would see it moving forward and here 's the thing <clears throat> it doesn 't just move in that like the sand gets blown around and and uh, you know the the sand dune takes all these different shapes, sure it keeps its shape and just moves forward depending yeah. on the type of dune and the type of what 's called wind regime in the area that 's right it's I amazing. just think that it is amazing it, it they 're clearly alive. And can feel pain, so you really shouldn't walk on the sand dunes.
1: <laughs> and the shape is so dictated by the fact that, you know, maybe the wind always blows in one direction where you are. Maybe it blows right. in two directions only. Maybe mm-hmm. it blows from many directions. And that's all going to dictate this malleable, living, breathing, breathing, feeling, emotional beast right. that will kill you if you don't treat it, it right.
0: It has. It's killed a couple people,
1: at least. So let's talk about how wind can move sand around. Uh, It's generally a few different ways. There's uh, saltation, which is mostly like 95% of sand grains move like this. And that's just the wind is just bouncing them along.
0: Yeah, I thought these percentages were pretty specific. 95%, 4%, 1%. Like who who came up with those percentages? God. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, then they probably are. Accurate. There's creep? But, yes. Creep I'd never witnessed or heard of before. Have you?
1: Uh, I don't think so. That's the 4% um, of sand moves this way. And this is when <laughs> grains are colliding with other grains. Right. Um, like, you know, maybe gravel or something causing them to move. It's like sand croquet. Yeah. Not um, salmon croquettes.
0: No. That's which different. Are, those aren't the best croquettes if you ask me. Frankly, I'm just going to come out and say it. The only way to eat salmon is raw.
1: I'm sorry. Ooh, I love a grilled salmon with that crispy skin. Mm, mm, mm.
0: I like grilled fish. It's just when salmon is cooked, it undergoes a taste conversion that I'm not a fan of. I prefer it raw.
1: No, I love raw salmon for sure, but I love that crispy skin so much. Hey, I'm not yucking your yum,
0: man. If you like cooked salmon, (laughs) have at it. And I do like fish skin, crispy fish skin. I'm with you. But I'm more like a cooked trout fish skin kind of guy.
1: Yeah, uh, when I was a kid, a very big 70s meal um, Mm -hmm. in my household was the canned salmon croquettes.
0: Oh, yeah, I've had those. Yeah. It's just the bones, you know? Like I don't like there to be bones in my food. I'm with you. I'll eat something off the bone. I just don't want to be expected to actually eat the bone.
1: I, I guess I don't know. I'm yeah, they bone at the it. at a good butcher or a good yeah. uh, fishery. <laughs> okay, but don't there, But aren't there Fish still manger? like really really tiny little bones? Uh, it depends on the 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 salmon. Okay, but sure, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like bones either. So. Um, Obviously we're talking about sand dunes still. Yeah, but the suspension is the third way. We've got to finish that up. Right, right.
0: Um 1%. that's where that's where the wind blows very strongly, um it is so strongly and from enough different directions at once that it actually lifts the sand into the air. And this is what a dust storm is or a sandstorm or um any number of basically if there's sand blowing around in the air this this is the suspension movement of sand. Yeah, that's yet, up
1: though in the air. Like when you go to the right. beach, sometimes you'll see sand in the right conditions uh blowing along the the ground at like a mm-hmm. couple inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing. Man, no that's saltation. Yeah. That hurts. That's really painful. Yeah,
0: I guess it can hurt, can it? Oh, it can. It can get yeah, a little stingy. Believe me. Yep. Hurts. So, um we've kind of already described like how a sand dune forms. Um, sort of sort of, but the the there's there 's a lot of different kinds of sand dunes we 're going to get into it don 't worry, but there 's a general way that uh, a sand dune forms where the the sand blows along, hits a something that stops its forward momentum and mm-hmm. then it starts to pile up and when this piling up happens, a sand dune typically undergoes a fairly predictable um, evolution, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas more and more sand builds up, the sand dune gets bigger and bigger. And the sand just kind of smacks into the back of the sand dune. And the lighter sand will just continue up and over the sand dune. And then once it makes it down the other side, which is called the slip face, which is the side that's protected from the wind, mm-hmm. the um, the sand dune just kind of gets bigger and bigger. But eventually enough sand will pile up on the backside that it it forms a crest where it, it it basically piles up and forms a peak or a crest or something like that. And then this crest can get so so big and so pronounced that it will actually crumble under its own weight.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like raw physics before mm-hmm. your very eyes. These layers, those light sands blowing over and it's layer after layer building up. Then that crest gets super tall. Like you could mess around with it. If you had a big bucket of dry sand with your own hand, you sort of see this effect as you drop sand. Eventually, when it does collapse, it's going to avalanche down the slip face. And there is an angle. It's called the angle of repose where it's sort of where that beautiful um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not symbiosis, but when when something's pushing against something, the other thing's pushing right back. And it Um, all agrees that – just to stop there in the middle.
0: (laughs) I don't remember what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. It is beautiful.
1: That's basically it. It's about 30 to 40, uh, 34 degrees in general. And that's when it just reaches that perfect angle of Mm steepness that it's all just stable and solid.
0: Right. So... Now you have a dune, it's no longer being born, it's now living, and it's, uh, it's, it still can keep growing, but it's going to keep growing along these lines where, you know, if, if enough gets built up, it's going to fall down into the angle of repose. More likely, the sand will just continue going over the edge and then being built up on the backside, too. Its rump will grow, basically.
1: Yeah, and if, like, it, winds are really strong, it's probably going to be taller. If the winds are really gentle, it's probably going to be more spread out. Mm-hmm. And the, the direction of the wind, the angle of the wind, um, and like we mentioned earlier, whether or not it's unidirectional, bidirectional, or multidirectional, that's all going to play a part into what kind of dune you're going to get.
0: So let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about the different kinds of dunes, okay? All right. <laughs> Have you ever read the book Dune? Nope. I haven't either. Have you ever seen the movie? Nope. Me either. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they're
1: making they're making it again.
0: but uh, that's great.
1: That uh, Dennis Villeneuve guy. So it's probably oh, he's be pretty good. good. Man. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's amazing. He did the Arrival, right?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah.
0: Or just a, Arrival? The Arrival is like an old Charlie Sheen movie, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it's just Arrival.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Neither one of us have seen or read dune. We're going to get some email about this,
1: I think. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not knocking David Lynch either, of course. So I want to throw that in there.
0: No, or Frank Herbert. Eh. Oh, are you?
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know anything
0: So, Frank um, Herbert. So, like you were saying, dunes are the result of the winds that are in, prevalent in the area. And the most common dune on Earth and um, little known fact— Well, maybe not little known, but interesting fact. Um, The most common dunes on Mars are what are called crescentic or crescent-shaped dunes. And these are far and away the most common, um, which means that more often than not, in any given area, the wind uh, is going to be blowing in the same direction basically all the
1: time. Yeah, and this got a little confusing for me because the more I researched the types of dunes, Mm -hmm. Like I saw one place that said there are five main types of sand dunes. Right. uh, Barkin, transverse, blowout, linear, and composite. Who said that? Uh, A website (laughs) that seemed very educational and reliable. Weird. But I I believe there are just different words for some of these, and some of these are subtypes of the main five. Right, right. Because I believe a crescentic is a Barkin dune. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. You're not. Horseshoe shaped, front curve yeah, I, facing the wind.
0: I guess so. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is where is the curve pointing? Is is the big differentiator for crescentic?
1: Yeah, like I looked these up online, all, all these pictures, and like when I saw the crescentic, uh, these look like sort of those big, beautiful dunes from Star Wars or Lawrence mm-hmm. of Arabia.
0: Yeah, it's what most people think of when they think of a, a dune, I'm like a, a, a desert it's, dune. Right, exactly. Thank you. So, crescentic is, if you imagine it as like a U-shape or a V-shape, the underside or the bottom of the U or the point, the outside point of the V, is going to be pointing in the direction opposite the wind. So, it's pointing upwind. Mm -hmm. So, the wind is blowing and hitting that outside point of the V or the bottom of the U, which doesn't really make sense um, to me. The parabolic, which we'll talk about later, makes more sense.
1: But now, anyway. Is the parabolic the same as a blowout? Because a blowout dune is the opposite of a barchan. Yes. In that the curve, the horseshoe curve, faces away from the wind. Yes. Okay. It's
0: going to take five minutes to undo the confusion <laughs> we just created.
1: Well, and there are some, uh, who studies this? What kind of? Geologists, find? I believe. Desert yeah. ecologists. Yeah, they. I'm sure they are having a ball with this one. Just pour <laughs> up a drink, everybody. Yeah, all 17 of them. Buckle up. <laughs>
0: So crescent shaped ones, again, say they're U shaped or V shaped, and the bottom of the U or the point of the V is pointing facing the wind. So it's That's, pointing upwind. Right. The wind blows it. The wind the sand that it's blowing onto the backside, onto the rump of this dune, blows up, it falls down, it avalanches uh under the slip face, which is the inside of the U or the V and is not as protected from the wind. And what's amazing about this is because the crescent-shaped dune is the result of a wind regime where the wind is blowing in one direction basically all the time, these are the dunes that can actually move. And they can move pretty fast. Well, they're one of two kinds, but they can move pretty fast across the desert. So much so that sometimes these dunes, when there's many of them, will catch up to one another. Mm -hmm. And they'll do some pretty amazing things when they catch up to one another.
1: Yeah, and so much so that they can threaten uh, like villages. Mm -hmm. And people have to try and stop these dunes.
0: Yes, some people have been known to pour motor oil on dunes to keep them from moving because it wettens the sand without it drying out. It's not a good one. Um, You could plant vegetation, although if you're in the desert, that's not a great great thing because your plants are just going to die. More often than not, if you just put up fencing... That, that becomes an obstacle for the dune and the dune will stop in its tracks and it will just keep building up on the backside. Eventually it might be big enough to overcome the dune, but it will certainly slow it down for a good many years for sure. Yeah. But the the thing about that crescent shaped one, when a small one catches up to a bigger one, a lot of things can happen. One thing is that it can appear as if the small one passes straight through the big one. Amazing. It is amazing, and then another thing that can happen is two two um, dunes. I don't remember how, if they're the same size or different size. When they come together, so that the the arms or the wings or the horns of that crescent shape, mm-hmm. right? Not the main part, but the, the the points that come out. Those are called the horns. I've actually seen arms too. There's all sorts of different names. It's a giant mess. Nobody can agree on anything with dune ecology. But when a different dune catches up and merges with it, it can actually go from two dunes to three, which is called breeding. And the two, so there's the one dune that remains, and then the other one basically splits into two dunes that come out the arms or the points of the original dune. So when you had two, now there's three, which is pretty astounding, if you ask me, because we're talking sand dunes here, and they're breeding new dunes. Amazing. I think it's pretty amazing, too.
1: So among the five types, there's also one listed as a transverse dune. I didn't understand them at all. Well, I think these are the ones that they're long lines of rigid dunes, and they're perpendicular to the wind. Okay. Uh, they have really steep slip faces uh, at the back sides. Okay. And they're kind of wavy. So there's a lot of sand and not a lot of plants. And I think the dunes that, like, you see, um, like, behind the beach— are a lot of times are transverse dunes. Okay. If I'm not mistaken.
0: My understanding was that parabolic were the most um, coastal dunes. Maybe not.
1: The most coastal? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and I think there are different kinds of dunes even along the coast, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, it just depends on what the wind is like in an area. And because uh wind regime is going to be different for every kind of area, there's different kinds of dunes. And um, what we're talking about, are these standard, simple kinds of dunes? Dunes can, like we like we were just saying, can merge with one another. Winds can change, and different types of dunes will start to form. You've got um, compound and complex dunes too, which and can simple. be two different kinds of dunes mm-hmm. merged together. Um, so there's a lot of weird things that can happen with dunes. They're, they're very rarely just a simple, straight up, straightforward kind of dune.
1: Yeah, there are linear dunes. Uh, mm-hmm. These are mostly parallel to the wind, and these form these long, straight ridges. And they think, geologists think, that they are caused by wind that blows in one— they are definitely bidirectional as far as the wind goes. Mm-hmm. But they think they're caused when wind blows from one direction in one part of the year and then another direction in another part of the year.
0: Right, so they're they're like long lines, basically. Yeah, powder. but it's
1: interesting that, you know, the winds will shift over, you know, like— the course of a year so mm-hmm. it's not like every day they're shifting
0: no but it's enough and they're powerful enough that they're blowing any any kind of um rump or base of these and it's just a big long line of sand sometimes very sharp depending on you know just how sharp the bi-directionality of the wind is yeah um star ones this is one of my favorites yeah these are pretty cool so if you it's have what you would think Yeah, it's like a sand dune that looks a bit like a star. They have a a pyramidal mound that goes up in the middle um, and then at least three arms with um, slip faces, you know, the avalanche face uh, radiating out from that middle. And these are the result of a bunch of different wind directions throughout a year building up. So rather than moving along the face of the earth, these things just kind of build up in space, and they're actually some of the tallest ones. I think there's some that are, like, 500 meters or 1,500 feet tall in uh, deserts in China, um, which is pretty pretty amazing. I mean, that's tall, especially if you're a sand border.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can simulate all this stuff. Like, you can make your hand the wind. Mm-hmm. If you're at the beach and you're playing with sand, I mean, you just think about if you're pushing the sand in one direction only, it's going to look a certain way. If right. you push then in another direction, that's going to look a certain way. And then, in the case of a star, if you're using your hand pushing sand in and all of these different directions, it's going to grow upward, and it's not going to grow laterally. Right, right. We should have probably said at the outset that
0: it helps a lot if you go look up images of the different types of dunes sure. we're talking about. Yeah, pull your like, car It helped help me.
1: And look up, <laughs> look up, dune porn. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. Um, okay, now there's parabolic, or parabolic. I think parabolic. What, what, I say, you say parabolic? I say parabolic. Okay. So these are basically the opposite of crescent-shaped, where this time the inside of the U or the inside point of the V is what the wind is blowing into. And then the outside of the U or the outside of the V is what's facing in the direction that the wind is going, but it's downwind, right? It's what you would think of, like if you're just thinking about moving sand with wind via physics, this, this one makes the most sense. But the thing about parabolic that really distinguishes it from crescent is that usually they're made of sand that is has some sort of water attached to it or vegetation so that the arms are anchored. So the arms stay in the same place, they just get longer and longer as the bulk of the dune, the middle part keeps moving further and further away. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. If you especially if you imagine this stuff on a like a time lapse or, you know, happening really quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it can be little trees, shrubs, uh grasses. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk more about what can grow in dunes, but these things very much serve as the anchor on those arms. Uh, and these are not going to be very tall, obviously, if you think about like the way they're going to form, and the fact that those arms are anchored down. They're not going to be super tall. Um, and then where that vegetation is going to stop, it's going to slow the advance of that sand accumulation.
0: Right. They used to think it was strictly just the vegetation um, that anchors the arms, but they apparently have discovered recently that, no, it's actually more waterlogged sand like in the arms than, than we previously thought, and it's probably the water. It, it acts as motor oil.
1: That's right. And then on this original list of five main types, the composite dunes were the last one listed, and mm-hmm. this is a, it's just sort of a combination of two or more types of other dunes. Um, these are really big. They're very tall. Uh, they for, form these big hilly forms called draws, D-R-A-A-S. Okay. And they're mostly transverse and linear dunes, and they can be, like, taller than 400 meters. They're they're gigantic.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Yeah.
1: What makes them so big? I think just uh, the, the combination of the dunes. Wow. Like, oh, just like, just running together? I think so.
0: That's pretty neat. Um, there's another one I want to give a shout-out to, Chuck, is li- lithified dunes or slick rock. Oh, sure. Like the kind that, that you see, like, in a painted desert or whatever. That's actually, like, a, a hardened sand dune that over time water has flown has moved through and as it moved through it basically fossilized the sand dune because it deposited minerals of different types and these minerals can create like layers or strata um that that have different colors and that's but it's actually originally it was a sand dune
1: gorgeous i've been Love to it. utah quite a few times yep uh and we should talk about the subaqueous too Okay. Uh because those are pretty great. They're underwater dunes. And uh if you've like you see these a lot in natural channels, like rivers and stuff. Yeah. Um but they can also form in, you know, in a canal that man has built. Which is pretty interesting. They move downstream always.
0: And they tend to be of the same height and the same wavelength, the same frequency, like yeah. they're they're equally spaced apart. And I didn't realize this, but it makes total sense. The presence of um, dunes on the bottom of like a channel or a river or something it, it increases the river's likelihood of flooding because it decreases um, flow yeah. it increases resistance decreases flow and so the, the water actually piles up and overflows because it's running into sand dunes at the bottom Amazing, it is amazing I don't know if we've gotten this across yet or not everybody but sand dunes are a little more amazing than you might have thought certainly more amazing than say jackhammers You want to take another break? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to take a break, everybody, in case you didn't hear, and we'll be right back with Coastal Dunes. Okay, so the the dunes that I and probably most people have seen more than any are coastal dunes. The dunes at the beach. The dunes that have a sign that says stay off the dunes. There's probably some plants growing on them. Mm-hmm. And um, dunes are protected. They are protected and they're protective too. That's right. But really I was I, I, I realized this as I was researching this, Chuck. They really protect human interests. They don't really do There's not a whole lot that they're doing besides replenishing the sand that makes up the shore ecosystem after a storm. They're basically like a reserve sand um, pile so that when a storm happens, the, the sea goes, give me some of that. And it takes the sand out and replenishes it and then starts this process over again. Because that's where the sand dune originally comes from is waves bring sand ashore and the sand starts to blow inward inland and runs into something in the way. And like I said at the outset, it could be a bed of pebbles, it could be shells, it could be some vegetation that's already growing there and it starts to build up and that's where coastal sand dunes begin.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. They have... uh... First of all, uh, an embryo dune is a real term, mm-hmm. which is really kind of funny. And kind of like I imagine is like sticky and yolky. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but how how these things, uh, like how vegetation comes to um, to work with dunes, and they kind of scratch each other's backs mm-hmm. uh, in this case, is rotting seaweed will, will come in from a storm, let's say, because a sand dune in itself originally doesn't have like a ton of nutrients to allow stuff to grow.
0: Yeah, it's just minerals basically yeah. like like quartz and and ground up calcium carbonate and not much else.
1: Yeah, so you would be surprised if anything grew there. But what'll happen is the the tide will bring in plant life and like rotting seaweed mm-hmm. and add it, you know, they dump their nutrients there and that allows what they call a pioneer species to colonize because all of a sudden there's some nutrients there. And this can be mainly grasses, like all different kinds of kinds of sea grasses. Yeah. And uh, these plants, you know, these are sea grasses, so they, you know, they can grow well in really harsh conditions, like super salty areas. Um, they're getting beat by wind, and they really typically have these big, deep, long roots. They're going to go all the way down to the water table, mm-hmm. and that's where they're going to get their uh, their drink, and they're going to just bind that sand together. And it's, like I said, they kind of work together to make, uh, the sand makes the plant stronger, the plants make the sand stronger, or the dune, Mm -hmm. rather.
0: Yeah, yeah. And once those pioneer species of grasses are established, they start to change the actual, like, composition of the dune. Yeah. And they make it more… Inviting. uh, Yeah, to other kinds of species that aren't quite as pioneering but are still pretty hardy compared to, say, like, your, you know… Your your rose bush or something. They there's you know woody perennials like um, beach elder. There's heaths and heathers to, um, in the UK. They grow on on coastal dunes, and um, th- all that these do is create uh, an even stronger, more nutrient-rich type soil as these things live and grow and fix nitrogen and turn more seaweed into even more nutrients. Um, And they also allow it to retain water, although I think basically to a species, any plant that can grow on a sand dune is is basically developed um, techniques to resist losing water. Like they have small crinkly leaves that that don't evaporate water nearly as easily. So the the name of the game is to get as many nutrients out of an unfriendly um, soil as possible and keep as much of the water as you can get from the water table.
1: Yeah, which is why they protect dunes. I mean, when you you go to the beach, you're going to see signs that say, stay off the dunes. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to, you know, because the fear is that humans will go in there which is exactly what would happen, and uh, trample on these grasses, and then that little relationship is busted apart when those grasses die off, or even worse, are pulled up maybe, mm-hmm. uh, because you want to take some home or something. And then the sand dune <laughs> is compromised. <laughs> Look and, what I got from the beach. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one, one uh, even without human
0: intervention, these coastal dunes can turn into parabolic dunes <clears throat> if something happens like a storm surge happens and carves out like a a significant portion of the sand in front of the dune because now there's nothing holding that dune in place and it's exposed to the wind even further. And so the dune itself will start to move forward, but the arms will stay in place and the the coastal dune has just turned into a parabolic dune too. And it's moving inland, which if you have a, a house built there, that's a problem for you. But... One thing that I didn't realize, but I totally, now I've, I've seen it all over the place, but I never put two and two together. If you've ever noticed, um, a, an established beach will almost always have like a, a conifer, like pine tree forest. And apparently that's like the end result, like of the progression or evolution of a dune ecosystem is a pine forest is going to grow because they're, adapted to grow in this, this soil that's been prepared over time that started out as a, a single piece of dead seaweed and ended up into a whole pine forest.
1: I mean, for sure, there are a lot of pine trees in the Florida panhandle.
0: Yeah, but you never think about it, but that's uh, that that's like a dune ecosystem, but that's part of the dune. That's like the, I think the climax ecosystem is what they call it.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever been to a beach not so long after a hurricane has hit, mm-hmm. but it, uh... It's just devastating to look at. I mean, you always uh, obviously think of people and homes that are destroyed and stuff like that. But if you look at the actual beach itself, um, it's pretty brutal. Like, it can take decades for that beach itself to recover and for those dunes to recover. Um, Like, I was in uh, South Carolina a couple of years ago, not too long after one of the hurricanes and it was like you're used to seeing these big, broad beaches with these big, flowy dunes. Right. And this was like a cliff. It was just mm-hmm. sand that eventually went up. Uh, You know, the water line met just a hard, like, jeez, man, some places like 10 and 12 feet, uh, like a sand cliff. Mm-hmm. And it just looks completely unnatural, like not like the beaches that you're used to seeing. And uh, selfishly, as, you know, as a beachgoer, s- some parts were just completely impassable. Like you couldn't even get to the beach unless you, like, rappel down the wall or something, right. and you yeah, certainly couldn't get back up.
0: From what I could tell, though, that's just part of this natural process of, yeah. like, removing and then slowly replenishing. And uh, like I was saying earlier, the, the dunes protect human habitation. Like, you want a dune if you live on a, a coastal beach area. It's like a big stack
1: of sandbags.
0: It is. And, and like, you build your house right behind it, and it provides this buffer from storm surges and stuff like that. But when it's it's taken away, if it takes decades to rebuild, you may want to move elsewhere. And apparently, after Hurricane Sandy, there's parts of New Jersey still that they're saying, like, I don't know if this is habitable anymore. Maybe it will be in, like, 50 years after the dunes come back, but this is not— like it it's it's like we can't live here anymore and it's because the dunes have have been removed.
1: And people in New Jersey said, "Have you ever been to Newark?" <laughs> yeah. Actually, Newark's come a long way. Has it? Oh, sure. Okay. But when I first started going there in the in the early to mid-90s, it was it was a different story. Okay. I love Newark. It's great. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> sure. Okay. I love all of New Jersey. That's my second home. All right. There you go. Uh, speaking of second homes, mm-hmm. we should talk about the what little critters make their home, their first home, in the dunes. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Well, d- yeah, I did. That was pretty nice.
0: <laughs> uh, that was a classic SK segue.
1: So, I mean, kind of like we were talking about before, like a, a, a big pile of sand— is not an an intuitive place for plants to live or animals to live. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of all the nutrient dumps that the ocean brings in, uh, it can... It's like Raymond Burr. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It it can end up being a really thriving ecosystem. Uh, There can be little little flower, dune flowers. There can be little rats and mice, uh, certainly snakes and lizards if you're in the Mm -hmm. desert. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, these are only going to be things like you can't completely discount, like, nature. These all have to be very, very drought-tolerant plants.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. But they're adapted to to grow on these dunes. And, you know, when you add a plant and a lizard and an insect and a a bird or something like that, um, you got yourself a nice little ecosystem going, and there are definitely dune ecosystems that have developed over time.
1: Beetles? Crickets?
0: Yeah. I was looking up. I was like, are dung beetles a dune bug? Apparently, my friend... Dung beetles are an anywhere beetle. They're on every continent in just about every ecosystem except for Antarctica. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going to have to do at least the short stuff on the dung beetle because it's a poop beetle. It gathers poop, and I think that's
1: pretty neat. Yeah, I remember watching those guys uh, roll those little poop balls around Mm -hmm. in the, uh, what was it, the Planet Earth videos? Yeah, for sure. Pretty great. Or maybe it was Microcosmos. I can't remember.
0: It was, they, they're, I mean, they're, they're pretty frequent TV guests. They've
1: they been in a lot of movies. Yeah. Remember when they were on the Mandrell <laughs> Sisters show? Yeah. Oh, man, that really was so good. Really brought the house
0: down. <laughs> <laughs> Mandrill Sisters. Wow. Did you watch that? No. I, I grew up in Ohio. We didn't have that. Oh, it was nationwide. Are you kidding me? No, I'm, I'm sure I'm kidding. This is I, when, like, people like... in
1: New York City watched Hee Haw.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. Everybody was on CBs and (laughs) acted like they were truckers, wore trucker
1: shirts. Crazy.
0: That was a cool little period in the 70s, you know?
1: Yeah, it was a little weird. Trucker culture took over. Yep. Uh, What else is going to hurt dunes? Deforestation? Sounds weird to use that word about um, sand dunes. But yeah, I mean, there's those conifer forests. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can deforest a conifer forest just like any other forest you jerk. (laughs) Not you. I'm saying the person who cuts down the the conifer forest. That's right. Yeah. Uh, What else? You got anything else? Uh, No, we talked about the singing sand dunes, which if you haven't heard, go listen. It's pretty neat. And it's really just sand, dry sand falling over itself in an avalanche. And again, proof positive that sand dunes are alive and can feel pain. That's right. Uh, That's it for sand dunes. I think the last thing we have to say is stay off the dunes. It says stay off the dunes. Just don't go on them.
1: Especially with your dune buggy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was another 70s little fad too, dune buggies.
1: Yeah, they, they also have beaches still where you can drive your car. I'm not a big fan of that. No, because even if
0: it's not eroding the beach, it's smog on the beach. Come on.
1: It's just ugly. You don't want to go to the beach and see someone's stupid car.
0: Nope. I can barely stand seeing people's bare feet. Agreed. Uh, well, since we said that, it's time, of course,
1: friends, for Listener Mail. Uh, Chuck got me out of a parking ticket.
0: Nice.
1: Hi, guys. My name is Camber. I'm a grad student at uh, Indiana University. Go Hoosiers. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I work in Indianapolis. I'm a fairly new listener, about six months. But I have to drive a lot for school and work and family, so I spend a lot of time listening to you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I need to let Chuck know that he saved me hundreds of dollars with Geico. <laughs> so rewinding back to Friday night, I was driving to Louisville, Kentucky, about a two hour drive and might have been going 70 in a 55. Uh, I get pulled over and I think this is it. I'm going to have to take out extra loans, get another job. My insurance is going to go up. And then I remember what Chuck said about getting out of his speeding tickets and just surrendering myself to the law. <laughs> so I thought, why not give it a try? And It worked. Not only do I uh, did I not have to pay for a park uh, for a speeding ticket, but you saved my insurance from spiking. I uh, will always remember this in future situations, but of course, I'm gonna work on my lead foot first. Uh, thanks so much for the advice and thank you for the podcast, guys. Listen almost every day. Don't know what my morning commute would be without it. That is from Camber Solberger.
0: Nice. First of all, Camber, great name. Camber Solberger, even greater name. That's
1: one of the great names.
0: And then, uh, yeah, Chuck getting you out of a ticket, that's just an all-around fantastic listener mail, Charles. Agreed. Well, if you want to get in touch with us uh, like Cam Cam and Bear (laughs) Limburger did, you can go on to stuffyoushouldknow.com and uh, check out our social links. Or if you want to write us an email, you can fill it out, smack it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com.